0: Welcome to the Better Belly Podcast, where we find freedom from food restrictions, we increase energy in our lives, and we begin to feel healthy and vibrant again by finding the root cause of our gut health problems. My name's Allison Jordan, marathon runner, functional medicine practitioner, certified craniosacral therapist, gut health nerd, lover of Jesus, and owner of the Better Belly Therapies, a clinic based in Ann Arbor, Michigan, that works with both virtual and local clients to help them achieve the best health of their life. I am here to walk with you on your journey to a better belly and a better life. We're going to go beyond popping a probiotic and checking out our poop. In this show, we are going to go deep into gut transformation strategies that last for life. If you're ready to feel your best, get ready to roll. You are in the right place. Thank you for listening to the Better Belly Podcast. Just a reminder, this information is not meant to diagnose, manage, or treat disease. Always consult with your own health practitioner before you make changes. Okay, guys, are you ready for today's episode? I hope you are because this is an episode that is near and dear to my heart. The number one lie about food that I hate. I mean, it it is the absolute truth. The number one lie. If there was one thing that I wish everybody in the world knew, especially those with gut health problems or health problems in general, I wish they knew this one thing. It's incredible. It's the number one lie about food that I hate. Also, realizing that. I don't use the word hate lightly. Hate is something that I think we overuse a lot of times as a figure of speech. And growing up, I was encouraged to not really use it very often. There are not many things in the world worth hating, but there are a couple things. And I figure that this one lie is kind of one of them. It is a lie that really made my health not get better for a really long time because I was misled. It's a lie that misleads a lot of people currently. And it's a lie that all of my clients that I work with, by the time they've come to me, they've been believing, usually for years, and has made them fear food, hate food, um, be confused by food, and also feel like their health problems are their fault for not eating the right food or not finding the perfect diet. And it's one of the reasons we spend countless hours searching the interwebs for the perfect recipes and the perfect meal plan and the perfect website or the perfect nutritionist to follow and to just do exactly what they do and get the same results. And that is just not happening for people. So this is the number one lie about food that I wish everyone knew about and I wish for you to know about today. And so I am going to talk about it. So I wanted to start off by reading a list of phrases that I hear people say a lot, and all of these phrases are related to diet-focused gut health, where gut health is all about the food we take in, and that's the framework that people are coming with and assuming is driving their gut health or lack of gut health is food. So does any of this sound familiar? Just think about it as I say it. I'm not feeling well because of something I ate. Because I need to eat smaller portions, because I shouldn't eat as many times a day, or because I shouldn't eat late at night, or I need to be on the low FODMAP diet, or I'm gluten-free, I'm dairy-free, maybe I just need to take a Prilosec, or I just need to find the right probiotic. Here's the truth. All of those are different versions of a lie, but the truth is food sensitivities and having problems with food are a result of gut health problems. They are not a cause. I want you to take that in. I wish I could have just the longest silence. Food sensitivities are a result of gut health problems and not a cause. Yep, that's it. That's the whole thing. Food sensitivities can perpetuate a disease process, and that's where we often find ourselves. By the time we're having problems with food where we notice, when I eat this, I have negative reactions, that's totally happening, but it is a result of a disease process. It's not where you started. Once the disease process has started, yes, we can start getting sensitive to food apples, watermelon, garlic, beans, meat, dairy, wheat, all these different things. But you don't go from being able to eat apples and watermelon and beans one day to your body just flopping and not being able to eat those anymore. Something has broken down and that breakdown takes time and we can actually see it in small hints and tips that our body is giving us over time. Unfortunately, couple things are going on. One, we're not trained as a society to see those small things and realize, oh, I'm getting hints from my body that something's breaking down. We often see these small things in our skin, in our eyes, in our hair, in our energy levels, and we just figure, oh, I'm getting older or this is just something that always happens to everybody, or this is just what my body DNA is going to be like. I'm going to struggle with this for the rest of my life. The truth is, is that every client that's worked with me, they have found that all these things that they've been experiencing for maybe 10 years, 20 years, um, sometimes longer, that it goes away when they work with me. It goes away when we actually find the root cause of what is going on. And so I wanted to create first off a list of examples of hints that our bodies give us, because I find that when I start working with clients, I give them a really long in-depth intake form, three of them. And we find the most fascinating things that they aren't even coming to me and saying, well, I also have this on the side and I also have this on the side. Cause we don't have a great awareness of all the small processes going on in our body, but truly there is a whole swath of connective, things going on before we start having food sensitivities or just problems eating food where we feel like, oh, well, I eat food and then I get bloated. I eat food and I get gassy. I eat food and my stomach hurts. I eat food and I get constipation or diarrhea. Um, I eat food and I have acid reflux. Those are usually further on down the line. So here is the list. As I read this list, I want you to think about your own life. What have you experienced? What are you currently experiencing? and just start to create a map of what I'm saying. All right. So examples and hints that the body gives us that we're going through a disease process. Our skin, eczema, rashes, and acne. Those are something that are super common we'd see it in babies and teens and adults. And we just kind of figure I have adult acne, or um, I've always had eczema or I just get rashes randomly and I don't know why, but then they go away. Okay. But the truth is, is that our skin is deeply, deeply connected to our gut. And when our gut is not optimally performing, when something's going on, then we start to absorb things we shouldn't into our bloodstream and that affects our skin. All right. Another thing we see, our pain levels I have people and I have personally experienced waking up and feeling like a 90-year-old grandma with arthritis in my spine and in my joints and having tons of pain in the same year, in the same 365 days where I ran a half marathon and was doing yoga every day and have this history of being a gymnast and being super flexible and suddenly not being flexible at all and being super stiff and in pain. I used to think, well, I just guess if I got a massage or if I just stretched in the morning, that's what I need to do. But the truth is that, again, when systemic inflammation in our body from either a process going on in our gut or sometimes a process going on elsewhere from other causes, which we will talk about later on in this episode – That will cause our joints and our muscles to have pain responses because of what we call systemic inflammation, inflammation through our whole system. Another hint is our sleep. Can you fall asleep quickly? Can you stay asleep? I have so many clients who have said, you know, it takes me 20 minutes to an hour to fall asleep. 20 minutes is sort of maybe on the edge of average, but especially if you are living a very full life and you're exercising and you're busy and you're going to bed and waking up around the same time, you should be tired at night. It should be relatively easy to fall asleep. And melatonin in your body and your cortisol levels dropping should be helping you just lights out when you go to bed. The other thing is staying asleep. Well, clients who wake up um, and personally having woken up around 2 to 3 a.m. every night for over a year, I just figured, what's going on? It wasn't because I needed to go to the bathroom. I wasn't hungry. I was just waking up. And those are signs of other processes going on in the body that can be related to a myriad of things, including cortisol, blood sugar levels, pathogens in the gut, so many things. But again, that's a hint the body's giving us. Our eyes can give us hints. Having strong sensitivity to light where you might have noticed that in a different part of your life, you could go outside after being inside and the sun. Sunlight didn't bother you, but suddenly you're feeling like sunlight bothers you more and more. You need to wear sunglasses more often. It takes your eyes longer to adjust, or maybe your eyes just never fully adjust. Well, that can be related to cortisol deficiency or hyperactivity, sometimes one or the other and be related to what we call adrenal fatigue, or the more scientific term, HPA axis dysfunction, and that's in your eyes. Our allergies and nasal pathways can being affected by systemic inflammation and or physical misalignment, misalignment in our spine um, that is coming and, re- and causing increased pressure in the cranial cavities. And so a lot of clients of mine that have This sense of constant congestion. When they work with me, both with craniosacral therapy, visceral manipulation, and functional medicine, when we're looking deeper into their biochemistry, they're finding that their congestion significantly decreases when we deal with their forward head syndrome, or we deal with their heavy metal toxicity, or we deal with their gut pathogens, or their mucosal barrier, leaky gut like all these different things and allergies, increased sense that. Allergies are getting worse, you're more sensitive, or your congestion's constant or increasing can be signs that there's something else going on in the body. Our focus, our mood, and our memory, all of those have to deal with the blood-brain barrier in our brain. And if we have again, going back to this broad term, systemic inflammation, say our gut is having a problem. It's absorbing things it shouldn't. It gets into our bloodstream. That blood goes everywhere in our body and it'll get to our brain. And then our brain's having to deal with toxins that it is, shouldn't need to. We can get toxicity in the brain and suddenly we have a harder time remembering things. We have a harder time focusing when someone's talking to us. We have a harder time um stabilizing our mood and it feels like, everything's going right, but I'm feeling anxious or I'm feeling grumpy or I'm fearing, feeling irritable or I'm all sorts of things. And that can also be affected or be being affected by our blood-brain barrier, not just counseling or things happening in our past emotionally or socially to us or relationally to us, but sometimes they can also be biochemically being affected. Um, our nails can be Telling us if we have brittle nails, um, flexible nails, nails that have certain, you know, ridges on them can be telling us about nutrient deficiencies, which, again, are why are we nutrient deficient? Is it a liver problem? Our livers not creating enzymes we need to? Is it a gut problem? What's going on there? Um, our poop. Are we constipated? Do we have loose stool, diarrhea? Is there speckles in your stool, which is undigested food? Take a look at your stool. Do you see little specks? Now, there's always going to be some specks if you're eating, especially if you're eating a high vegetable, high fruit, high fiber diet, because we can't break down everything you know, in the corn or the oats we're eating, anything that's a whole grain or has a very tough insoluble fiber to it. But there's a certain amount where we don't want to be seeing chunks of food in our stool. And that could be, again, suggesting something going on with the liver, something going on with the pancreas, we're not getting the enzymes we need. And we want to support those systems in the body. And that can lead to ultimately, again, nutrition deficiency, we can have an amino acid deficiency for not bringing down proteins That's also going to affect our mood. And so poop and all its varieties can give us a hint. Our stomach can give us a hint. By our stomach, I mean specifically our stomach, not the belly, not the whole, all the organs. But if we're getting acid reflux, quick feelings of fullness or pressure or feeling like, right between the rib cage in the middle where they come together, if you just feel this like either nausea or pressure right there, sometimes that can be the exit of our stomach is not working well. And that's specifically our pyloric sphincter. So there can be pathogens in the stomach called H. pylori. There can be um, inflexibility of the tissue around the stomach like the liver or the diaphragm that can be affecting that. And that can be happening from surgery that we had or gastroenteritis, which is basically a stomach flu or antibiotics we took. And we want to make sure that gets taken care of. Um, Our belly itself can be a hint if it gets distended, bloating, gassy, if it's painful. That's telling us something's going on in the stomach or really something's not going on. We're not moving liquids. We're not moving our lymph. We're not moving our blood the way that we need to. And so it's getting stuck and it's filling up in our abdominal cavity. Our urination system can tell us something, especially for women who get repeated UTIs. Have you gone through a season, or are you currently going through a season where you just keep picking up UTI after UTI, and you're taking antibiotic and antibiotic, and it's just not staying away. That is a sign that there is an imbalance, that the immune system's off, or there's maybe a deeper pathogen that's making you more susceptible to getting a UTI, but it's the pathogen's usually somewhere else. And again, it's usually in the gut. It's often in the gut. Your reproductive system can give you a hint that something else is going on, maybe smells that you're getting. Around your reproductive system, an inability to get pregnant, painful intercourse, loss of libido, PMS, or painful periods. All these things can be signs that there's something else going on. There's this interesting study that um, I've talked about in a previous episode where men with prostate problems, so, and that can show up as difficulty urinating fully and emptying the bladder, difficulty having an erection or painful intercourse for men, especially like after um, having intercourse um, is when you have a prostate problem, there's a link that they found with having a microbiome imbalance. And they're not sure if the microbiome imbalance is causing the prostate problem or the prostate um, inflation, the prostatitis is causing the microbiome problem, but they've done studies and there's a link between those two. Your energy levels, do you feel super depleted in the morning? Is it really hard to get out of bed? Or do you have the afternoon slump where you feel like you need coffee? Or do you just feel like maybe you never are quite fully awake? That can be a cortisol, blood sugar level, thyroid, systemic inflammation, all those things. And it's not just thyroid, folks. It can also be a lot of other stuff going on. And why are we having blood sugar problems or cortisol problems? I'm going to get to that in a second because those have their own causes. Your cravings, do you crave sugar? Do you crave carbs? Do you crave protein, fat? Do you just crave food like all the time? Do you get hangry? Um, That can be results of your microbiome imbalance, blood sugar levels, um, your stomach problems if you have quick feelings of wholeness, going back to something going on with the stomach your weight, inability to gain weight or lose weight, um, inability to gain muscle. There can be problems going on with there, with breaking down food or a whole host of other problems. And then lastly, but not leastly, increasing food sensitivities. Yes, that is My big harping thing, because I find that people who have gut health problems, and if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably in that category already. You've already identified, I have IBS, I have ulcerative colitis, or I have this question mark gut health problem that doctors say, well, your labs look good, your labs look fine, but you don't feel fine increasing food sensitivities where you feel like you have fewer and fewer foods you're able to eat and have no symptoms, that is a sign. It's a sign of something deeper going on. It's not a sign that you are stuck forever on a limited food diet, um, but it's a sign that That there's something else to look into. So everything I just said is a part of a disease process. It's a process. There's a beginning. There's an end. There's where the process is small, and there's just a few things going on, and then the process gets bigger and bigger and bigger. When the body gives us hints that something is off, we need to do something about it. It's not super bad yet, but we tend to just think, I'm just getting older, everyone feels this way, this is normal, or everyone in my family has experienced this as a part of my DNA, and we get kind of deterministic, determinism being that this is the pathway, I can't escape it. And that is not true. We have found, and I've discussed in other episodes, I'll link them in the show notes below, but that our DNA is more like a manual. And that manual, when you open it up, it is going to say, under XYZ circumstances, do blank. And so what we wanna do is avoid X Y Z circumstance so we don't get the resulting disease process. A sub belief, a lot of people, I hear a lot of people struggling with this, I can't get rid of it. It's something I have to live with. And that is just not true. I personally also dealt with that problem. And I remember thinking, well, it gets reinforced, first of all, by all the doctors I was talking to. And I really think if you've ever heard of the term gaslighting, if you haven't heard of it, pay attention. It's a form of abuse. And, you know, in the terms of doctors, it's unintentional, but it can be intentional, which is where the term comes from, where someone is making the victim feel that everything they're experiencing is a lie. So they're experiencing fear or they're experiencing, well, wasn't I seeing this light, which is where it comes from, this, this light that someone was experiencing. Um, and the person they're dealing with says, no, you didn't see anything. That was all in your head. And so this person thinks, starts to think, the victim starts to think they're crazy or that it's all in their head. It's all psychosomatic. They all they just need to go to a counselor or meditate more or be calmer or deal with their childhood issues, which are all great things to do. But they think if they just do that, it'll go away. Well, that's a result of gaslighting of being told that what you're experiencing is all in your head. It is not helpful when it's actually in your body. So I have so many clients that don't quote, just have to live. With their low energy sugar cravings, migraines, headaches, bloating, constipation. Guys, I didn't mention migraines and headaches. Wow. Those are also a sign. They're not just like, oh, I get these on my period. Like, why? That's a sign of hormone imbalance. If you get a migraine or headache every time you approach your period or are on it, that's a sign. Or if you just get migraines seemingly randomly, that's also a sign. Migraines or headaches. That being said, moving on, I have all these clients who have experienced repeated UTIs, stomach pain, constipation, but when we find the root cause, they go away. So, you might be wondering, Allison, what are root causes? If all these skin problems and eye problems and sinus problems are signs and they're not, they're not a cause of the problem. They're just telling me something's going on. What is actually going on? What are my options? I break down all of the options for what is going on as a root cause into three categories of stress. Physical stress, psychological stress, and biochemical stress. Pretty much everything that we ever go through fits into one of these categories. And so when I say stress on this podcast or any other time in my business, in on Instagram, in the future on this podcast, stress is anything that the body's going through that it has to respond to and create a counterbalance in homeostasis to create balance. So it's not just psychological, like, oh, I'm stressed. I had a hard day at work, but it's my body is stressed. I got in a car accident. Uh, my body is stressed. I have forward head syndrome, which is where your head is too far forward and you're putting pressure on your brain stem and your occipital lobe. You're putting pressure on your spinal cord um, and causing increased pressure on nerves that are coming out of your cervical spine. You're shifting. When you have forward head syndrome, you also typically have to shift your low back to compensate for the kind of the weight. Your head's this big bowling ball and then your weight kind of shifts. And so your low back and your pelvis has to shift. Lots of disease processes can come from pinched nervous system. That's your whole central nervous system, your brain, your spinal cord. And so physical stress can be Ford head syndrome, um, and a whole list of things. I'm about to say the list and I'm kind of going to do it in an organized fashion again. And so keep an eye out for what I'm about to say. What do you hear in your own health history? Has there anything here that I'm about to say that you have not considered before as potentially being a part of your disease process, being a part of the strains and the weight that your body's trying to counterbalance that might have led you to where you're currently at? All right. Are you guys ready? Okay. We're going to start with physical stressors. Surgery which includes cesareans, it includes appendectomies, gallbladder removal, life-saving surgeries, cosmetic surgeries, um, any kind of surgery, you were unconscious for it, but your body was not. Your body realized it was being cut into. It had patterns and fascia and blood, um, even organs, for example, that have never been exposed to air, being exposed to air, being dried out, increasing their stickiness in your body so that they don't glide over each other as well. All those things can affect the quality of health in your body. Um, collisions, whether that is a sports collision, um, you played soccer, you played volleyball, um, you Gosh, NASCAR? I don't know how many people who have been in NASCAR, but car accidents, those types of collisions. I want you to think the reason that you wear a seatbelt in a car accident is because your car is your shell and you're the internal organ that needs to be protected. And those seatbelts keep you in the right spot. Well, you, your skeletal system is another shell and then you have little organs inside of you and they also have seatbelts. They're called ligaments and fat Fascia is another form of that. Fascia is maybe like the clothing of your your organs. And whether you're in a sports accident or you fall on your tailbone or you fall off a horse, someone runs into you accidentally um, or you get in a car accident, you have a sudden jolting stop that puts a lot of strain on the body. You can get whiplash and then you can also have your ligaments get extra tight, just like that seatbelt gets tight momentarily in it. Really can tug on that your clavicle and your whole shoulder, and people can get bruising. That can happen internally, and we don't really think about it, it can affect the functioning of our liver or our kidney or our stomach um, and result in major changes that need to be dealt with postural strain, um, you know slouching forward, working at computer desks, standing for long periods of time with like a sway back, having our so as be too tight, which is a muscle. Those can cause strain, again, on our nervous system in particular, as well as other organs. Um, concussions, you might have heard me mention this in other episodes, but concussions, they've actually done studies that post-concussion, people's microbiomes totally change. They have a totally, totally different microbe than what that same person had pre-concussion. Um, and so, not only do concussions affect our brains and inflammation in the brain um, and our ability to focus and have memory and our mood and our coordination and our eyes, all these things that our brain controls, but it also affects our microbiome. They're not even 100% sure how or why, but they know that if you have had a concussion in your history... And sometimes concussions can even go undiagnosed, but some type of head trauma, um, that needs to, craniosacral therapy is going to be a huge, huge benefit, as well as um, chiropractic care, if you've never had it, for helping those um, that your brain tissue and your spinal cord and your cranial bones get to a healthier place um, so that you have good communication from the brain to the gut and optimize your ability to have a healthy gut, not just with probiotics, but also, for example, helping your concussion, (laughs) no matter how many years ago it happened, guys. Infections and intense illnesses are a physical strain on the body, and that's everything from meningitis to the stomach flu, especially if it's repeatedly. If you get COVID, one of the things that in my health communities that we are preparing ourselves with is that COVID is an admittedly intense illness. Whether you go to the hospital, need to be hospitalized or not, it is a very intense illness. For those who are getting it, and it is leaving people with thorax problems, brain problems, stomach problems, you name it. And it's an intense illness. And that puts the body under extreme strain in the immune system, in our cortisol system, in our nutritional system, um, and can create very big changes physically for us. So that's the physical category. The psychological category, I have so much compassion for this category. I mean, because of my own personal experiences and the fact that we're going to go through psychological stress. That can be from divorce, a parent dying, any other loved one dying for that matter, social um, strain, whether that's um, political, um, having bigotry against you, certain laws being passed that affect you. Um, Social stress can also be COVID, what we experienced the past few months of being separated from people and quarantining is a social stress. Relational stress can be unhealthy relationships that we've had, um, with roommates or family members, um, lack of boundaries. Spiritual stress can be a type of psychological stress, whether that is again, maybe, um, a injustice against you on a spiritual level or, um, even in wondering, like, what is <laughs> existential crises, basically, um, school can be a total big stressor, whether that's high school, college, grad school, med school, law school, lots of school that people go through that can be stressful job loss, or just the job yourself that you have anxiety and depression as a chemical imbalance adoption, whether you're being adopted, or you are adopting, um, whether you're the parent adopting or a sibling who's having adoption, that is a big change and shift. Um, moving can be huge, both on your physical body, going back to the last category, and psychologically and emotionally. As you're shifting communities, you're having to learn a lot about where to drive and what are the social norms in your new city that you're in. You might have said, I've had clients who say, well, everything was normal until I moved. (laughs) Well, it was just moving, right? Allison, it wasn't meningitis. It wasn't um, an antibiotic. It's like, well, yes, but moving can be stressful. And we definitely want to deal with the outflow and the outcome of that. There's lots of different ways we can help unwind what happens from all those psychological things. Sometimes it is counseling. Sometimes it's medication. Sometimes it's body work, massage, Thai massage, the Feldenkrais method. myofascial release craniosacral therapy visceral manipulation uh all these different things can help us unwind things that help happen to us also just plain old getting healthier relationships and so some of those things i help with some of those things i point my clients to depending on their health history and then lastly biochemical stresses these are things that i think what i feel like are the most common hidden stressors that we have in our bodies that we don't really know about um don't give weight to. So we think, well, I'm, I'm probably sick because of the psychological stress. That's the most common one people think about. Or maybe I'm sick of the, cause of the physical stress. I got in a car accident recently or I broke my leg. All these different things those people think about. Um, or I had a kid, right? But then, and even I'm so surprised by how many people who get pregnant. And then have all these problems afterwards, and doctors totally dismiss them and say, "Well, just give it six more months. Give it twelve more months, and it doesn't go away for that woman. It she she's left with whether it's incontinence or mood changes or all these different things. Those can be dealt with, and I've dealt with them um, in many, many of my clients." And so if you have been pregnant and you've been dismissed, I do want to encourage you today, you can get better. You're not stuck where you are. Um, and a lot of times doctors say that, well, I'll just give it more time because they don't have any other tools available to suggest. And that is they don't have all the tools all the time. So, And then lastly, biochemical stressors. Think about this. Intense infection or illness is a biochemical stressor. Repeated infection or illness, so even if it's mild, but like I said, UTIs, um, stomach flu, the cold, anything where there's like a cough, pneumonia, um, all of that is really intense. Coughs create an intense amount of pressure, both in our rib cage, our thorax, but also in our abdomen. So I have found that I have clients that after a bout of pneumonia, bronchitis, maybe repeated bronchitis, that they get super constipated or they suddenly have acid reflux or stomach problems, stomach pain, bloating, gassiness. And that can be sometimes because of pressure and and adhesions and restrictions that happen in the abdomen from all that pressure from coughing. Um, hormone imbalance, uh, that can be just something that's going on from another part of a disease process. It could be a primary cause, but, uh, estrogen dominance or lack of testosterone, too much testosterone. That can be a liver problem. If the liver's not getting rid of excess hormones, that can be a constipation problem because we're not, um, pooping enough. And so pooping helps us get rid of excess hormones that have been, we poop out our excess hormones. Once the liver packages up all our hormones, we poop them out. So not pooping um, is going to cause. sometimes we reabsorb hormones that we shouldn't be. Medications can cause biochemical um, stressors, environmental toxins, that can be everything from inorganic foods to something in your paints or something you grew up with, heavy metals. If you have metal fillings in your teeth, if you have medi- heavy metal fillings in your teeth, it is stable unless you grind your teeth. The problem is a lot of people grind their teeth. And when we grind our teeth, it actually heats up the metal in the filling, and then it air rises. When it gets warm enough, mercury doesn't need a very, very hot temperature for it to become um, a vapor form. And so when mercury's vapor form, that's when we have a problem. And so if you are grinding your teeth and you have heavy metal fillings, you could be giving yourself low levels of heavy metal toxicity repeatedly. That's something that you'd wanna talk with a holistic dentist about. Um, Traveling can create biochemical stressors because of all the different microbiomes we get exposed to, not just on the plane, but in the different foods we're eating, because the foods in a different country, the soil has different um, microbiome, the food itself is going to have a different microbiome, the water it was washed with is going to have a different microbiome, the people that are touching it, all this different stuff. And especially if you're in a third world country, for better and for worse, there might be different washing practices that are or are not um, adhered to. So um, compromise detoxification capability, which that goes back to constipation or liver, um, sometimes brain, because our cerebral spinal fluid, we have this fluid around our brain that nourishes the brain and gives it buoyancy and protects it um, and helps it detox. If that cerebral spinal fluid is diminished in, cre- in, in ability to be created, or it's not flowing very well, which can happen because of postural problems, concussions, forehead head syndrome, etc. Um, that cerebral spinal fluid is a what we call a chelation fluid. It actually helps us decrease heavy metals. It's the best heavy metal reducing process in our body. And our, and our cerebral spinal fluid is created from blood in our body. So our blood comes into the brain or it, it passes by um, a organ in our body, these little cells that filter out um, plasma and liquid from the blood and it keeps all the red blood cells on one side and on everything that's red and Everything that is is more clear, um, and you can see through it more, that's why our cerebral spinal fluid is clear. It's because it's more like plasma, um, which is just a portion of our blood. Um, And so we want really good cerebral spinal fluid health, which goes back to craniosacral therapy, um, but also just the heavy metal toxicity in our body. And then constipation and diarrhea. I've already mentioned constipation multiple times now, but diarrhea also, you're going to have nutritional deficiencies. Um, You're going to be getting rid of your microbiome too quickly, um, so you can get an imbalance there as well because of the opposite problem with stool going through too fast. And that can create a biochemical imbalance and biochemical stressor. So guys, wow, so many stressor options. It might be something you're currently going through. It could be something you went through in the past. Six months ago, anywhere between yesterday and when you were a child, those all can still be lingering in the body and be waiting to be dealt with. Um, my hope for your takeaway as you listen to all of those, because I'm sure I don't mean to overwhelm anyone, but really. Helping your mind sift through what's going on, and I found personally, I had to learn every single one of those steps in you know a month at a time. As I visited one person, or I listened to one podcast, or I did you know a whole research paper, I'd only find a cluster of those that someone said, by the way, this could be affecting your health. Um, my hope for your takeaway is that you realize that you don't need to blame your food if you're having a health problem, especially a gut health problem. All of those stressors that I just mentioned can weaken your the two foundations of your gut health, which is peristalsis and your mucosal barrier. Peristalsis, which you've heard me talk about in many, many of my episodes, episode one, episode three, episode two, it is moving your food from your esophagus down to your large intestine. And you want that food to be moving because if you don't, you're going to have a garbage problem where if you leave your garbage in your garbage, it grows stuff and you get smells and bacteria overgrowth and it's no bueno. Um, another takeaway I want you to take away from all of what we just said is Don't blame yourself. If you're having health problems, it's not because you're not trying hard enough. It's not because you just need to find the right diet or you just need to meditate more or you need to sleep more or whatever. You're not trying hard enough. That's a lie. That's a lie. So many people are trying and they're finding, I just feel like I don't have enough willpower to not eat this food or avoid this. If you're having craving problems, there can be other stuff going on. And I'm going to be talking about it At the end of October, I'm having my client, one of my actual real clients, Abby Herman, onto the podcast, and we're going to be talking about her experience of going from all of her health problems, which included particularly sugar cravings, which she thought was so weird because she's very healthy, an ultra-marathon runner, you know, she cooks her own, like, green breakfast every morning with, like, broccoli and spinach and eggs, just really healthy Generally healthy foods, right? Um, and she was still struggling with this, like, absurd to her cravings. And we changed a few things, and her cravings significantly decreased. They went from 50% to 90%, where she did not need willpower to overcome it. She just needed to deal with some other stressors going on in her body. Um, so don't blame yourself. Also, food is not a villain. Food is not evil. And you can be able to he- heal so you can eat a wider diet again. Both quantity of food, which can be a problem for some people, not being able to eat enough, and then also quality of food, just the kinds of food you're able to eat. You can heal. I've seen it in myself. I've seen it over and over again. And I cannot say it enough because I went through so many years where I was wondering, am I stuck with this? Do I need to just kind of say this is my new norm and stop expecting to heal and stop breaking my own heart every time I had a flare up, um, every time things got worse? A quick testimonial that I wanted to share with you guys that has been kind of building up over time from one of my clients. She has gastroparesis. If you've never heard of it, paresis, think paralyzed, and gastro, think stomach. Her stomach doesn't move. It's a actual diagnosis. Um, they It's everywhere. Some people consider it an autoimmune disorder. Some people consider it a functional GI disorder. But basically, the stomach isn't moving, and so it's not emptying its contents. And usually, there's a severe acid reflux problem because food is coming back up. But it's also coming back up because it's not emptying, not great. There's some nausea, quick feelings of fullness. A lot of times you lose weight um, because you can't eat enough. There's a lot of nausea, discomfort, pain. It's not a fun process. She'd had gastroparesis for several years um, and had been told, you know, she's on two antacids, very, very low weight, very, very limited diet. Comes to me and it's like, oh my gosh, you help people with their bellies. Please, please look at me. Um, And One thing I've been finding, and I've been dealing with people with acid reflux, been dealing with people with gastroparesis, is that there's this really strong rigidity around the diaphragm with them. So your stomach is um, right underneath your diaphragm, and when we breathe, that's part of the activation sequence of your stomach and your liver and all the organs immediately underneath your diaphragm. It's part of how they get their natural movement. She had a very, very restricted diaphragm, very restricted liver, uh, to the point where her right arm, most of your liver's on your right, her right arm couldn't raise as high as her left arm. Um, her elbow made it about shoulder, shoulder height and no higher. And it was kind of like, you know, she didn't get any pain in the arm. It just didn't really want to go higher than that. And so, she was like, can you do anything? I just want to eat some more food. I want to be maybe one acid instead of two. Um, I want to be able to gain weight. I want to have more energy. So we started with increasing mobility in her tissue around her. Her liver, her liver needed to be mobilized. Her thorax needed to be mobilized. She had some restrictions on the ligaments around her heart. Yes, we have ligaments around her heart. She didn't have heart problems, but she had restrictions in those ligaments. Um, we had to work with her neck, um, with her spinal cord, uh, with her, her sacrum, all the way down there making sure that her dural tube, which is around her spinal cord, was flowing. And it's been about three months and she is on one acid. She's gained a ton of weight in a healthy way. Her skin's looking better. She has more energy um, for her work and her job. And we're on well on the way of, Experimenting with decreasing to zero any acids. And she's able, she was able to eat minestrone soup recently, which was incredible. I mean, there's a lot of tomato in that. Um, she said it wasn't a huge amount. She was careful, but she was able to eat it, which if you've been on a restricted diet, you know, your mouth just goes crazy when you're able to eat something you weren't previously able to eat. And so, all that to say, there is so much more. She'd been told by doctors, like, this is it. Um, just manage for the rest of your life being on this like miserable lifestyle and through our work together, this was, you know, a case where it was really helpful for her to get hands on work. Um, but There are clients when I love working with people. And if you're listening to this podcast and you're like, what are my next steps, Allison? Like I heard all these things and my mind's starting to spin of like different thoughts and ideas, but like, how do I put it all together? Well, I want to let you guys know that I have a service that is perfect. If you're wondering what to do next, it is called the total body health assessment. And what is it? It is you and me going over your health history in a 60-minute conversation after you filled out my in-depth intake forms that ask all the funny little questions um, where I get a big idea of what's going on. We are focused on you. I ask you even more questions just by getting ideas from what you're saying in your health history, what's currently going on, what your symptoms are, ask you questions of things you might have never thought of. And that clues me in to an overarching map of what's going on in your body. And you leave with two things. My top suggestion of what might be going on physically, biochemically, um, in certain organs, in, in your lifestyle. And then my top suggestions of what you should do next, what specialist to see what changes to make in your life anything that I can see um, and some people walk away with two suggestions some walk away with seven it kind of depends on you know where the biggest biggest vital voids are that we're seeing but if this sounds amazing to you you're like Allison how can I sign up right now I want a total body health assessment um, I would love to get your eyes on my body and have a really human conversation over a good chunk of time the link is at the bottom of the show notes Just go there, Total Body Health Assessment, or you can go to betterbellytherapies.com slash Total Body, and you will be able to sign up there. But um, here's the thing. The Total Body Health Assessment is $500. For a limited time, if you do the Total Body Health Assessment with me and you decide you want to continue working further with me where the next level up is where I run labs on you that's relevant to what information we need to stop guessing at what's going on in your body, but actually know. And then you want to get a reverse my health plan, a customized health plan for you that is six months long, that covers diet, rest, exercise, stress reduction, supplementation. And we find out, do you have pathogens? Do you have heavy metals? Like what's going on? That $500 for the total body health assessment will roll right into the price for my customized health plan and lab analysis, which is $2,000. That is something that if you're listening to this in the future, may or may not be available right now, but it is available today as this is coming out in October 2020. I am so excited. If you are ready to dive deep into your health, if you know that there is more going on with your body than the doctors are giving you credit for, if you want to be rid of food restrictions and rid of low energy levels permanently, please reach out. I cannot say how many people have had permanent changes, not 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 just temporary, not just only when I'm on the super rigid lifestyle do I feel somewhat okay. Very permanent, very freeing changes. Please sign up. Set up a total body health assessment. I'd love to work on your health and get it on a new track with you. Okay. Wow. We did it. That was a lot of information. And if you felt like that was a lot of information, that is just a glimpse, just a glimpse. Like guys, that was 47 minutes. My total body health assessment, I mean, it's 60. That is just a glimpse of the types of things that when you work with us, a health practitioner, an expert in their field of what they can do for you, what you can do when you work with me of all the things we get to talk about Ah, so much. Well, if you love this episode, we have even more coming on down the line, I would encourage you subscribe so you can get all of our upcoming episodes. And if this episode really changed you, if you thought about someone else while you were watching this episode, it would mean so much if you took a screenshot and shared it with a friend. I cannot count how many times when I tell someone I'm a gut health specialist that they say, oh, I know someone who needs you. So send that friend that you thought of a love note to their gut and do us a favor and pass this podcast along to them. Also, it would mean so, so much to me if you have been enjoying this podcast, or even if you loved this episode, to leave a rating and review. When you leave a rating and review, that helps other podcast listeners like you to find this podcast. It helps say, yes, this was a helpful place for me to get information, and I want other people to know that. So if you're on Apple Podcasts, we do that, or anywhere you're listening to your podcast, please, please leave a review. We would love to hear from you. Other ways you can stay in the conversation with us is by following us on Instagram and Facebook at Better Belly Therapies. Send us a direct message, leave a comment on our our posts. We would love to hear what is moving you in the podcast, what your aha moments are, and what you would like to hear next. We love connecting with our listeners, and it means so much if you popped by and said hi. So, and remember, I want to leave off with my favorite and only ending podcast quote, miracles are immediate, healing takes time. You are on a journey. You are not at the end. I'm so excited for you guys. Until next week, have a great day.